what about me? What about what I want? What about what I think? I'm a mom. I have to make it. I'm going to be the one. I didn't care what you put in me. I don't care what you stick in me. I don't care what you cut off. I am going to live. I'm going to be the one. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Superwoman Wellness. I'm Dr. Taz. I've made it my mission throughout my career in integrative medicine to support women in restoring their health using a blend of Eastern medical wisdom with modern science. In this show, I will guide you through different practices to find your power type and fully embody the healthiest and most passionate version of you. I'm here for you and I can't wait to get started. This is a Soul Fire production. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Superwoman Wellness, where you know we are determined to bring you back to your superpower self. Joining me today is a woman who's been on quite the journey, one that some of you may be able to empathize, maybe even have been on a similar journey of your own. I have Vicki Zarkin. She is one of the only people alive with an aggressive form of stage four metastatic cancer for over 11 years. She was diagnosed in her 40s when her doctor first told her to go home and get her affairs in order. Ouch. At the time, she had two small children at home and was running her husband's dental practice. She spent the next several years fighting for her life, advocating for herself, and navigating our healthcare world and following her gut. Now, today, she's a beacon of hope as a national motivational speaker, coach, and author of I Am The One. She inspires women to change the way we've been programmed to think and emphasizes the importance of starting with young women on how to believe in themselves, challenge the status quo, find their voices, and listen to their hearts. Vicki's can-do attitude inspires people to think differently in their everyday lives by applying her unique thought process. Deals can be made in the boardroom just as easily as they can help people in their cancer battle. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, we are thrilled to have you here. So what happened? Tell us a little bit about you got this diagnosis. You're better, thank God. But what's the in-between space on this? Well, the background is that I had been getting regular mammograms since I had been into my 20s because of another issue. So I was pretty up on my mammograms. I had had another health scare. So I was maybe about six months off. So I was only about a, a year and a half out from my previous mammogram. So I went and got my mammogram. Of course, they found issue with it, did the and so forth. So I got the call back. And after all the tests of back and forth at Johns Hopkins and so forth, they found me right away at stage four metastatic cancer. And what I find that is so um, to give you an idea of how aggressive my form of cancer is, is why I gave you that background. Because a year and a half prior to me taking that mammogram, I was clean, a hundred percent clean. Wow. So I I mentioned this at the beginning. So it gives you an idea of how highly aggressive this form of cancer that I have and I'm living with still. So, So I had been through all these tests and I finally get to the point where they say, okay, we're giving you um, the best oncologist at Johns Hopkins. And, um, you know, where he's ready to to meet you. So I haven't met him yet after all these months of testing. So we go in, my mom and my husband are sitting to my left. 
And the doctor is going on and on and on and talking in a very monotone voice. And what I liken it to in my book is I compare him to like the Peanuts character teacher, the wah, 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 wah. And that's like all I heard until I heard, I'm very sorry to tell you, I've been in touch with all of our colleagues here at Johns Hopkins. We are all of the same opinion. There's nothing we can do for you. You need to go home and get your affairs in order. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I mean, I was gobsmacked, literally gobsmacked. Yeah. Right then. How old, how old were your children at the time? My children were eight and 11. Babies. Babies. Yeah. I mean, just babies. I mean, it was you know, the first thing that hit me. And so what I did, of course, was a little crazy at the time. I, when I got the news, the Vicky that walked in the room that day immediately left. And the Vicky that you're speaking to today is who came out. Mm-hmm. I know that sounds crazy, but that's, that's the way it worked. And that Vicky who's with you today flew across that room and grabbed the doctor by the neck. Are you serious? I am so telling the truth. It is too crazy not to be the truth. Like never have I grabbed anybody again since in my life. So I grabbed him and I just said, you talk about all these colleagues that you got and shared information with, but what about me? What about what I want? What about what I think? Yeah. I'm a mom. I have to make it. I'm going to be the one. I didn't care what you put in me. I don't care what you stick in me. I don't care what you cut off. I am going to live. I'm going to be the one. Then, you know, I'm angry, of course. My hands are around his neck and I'm like, oh, crap. I realize that they're there. I fly back. And the room is really, really quiet. I'm like, oh my God, here comes yes. security. I'm going to be carted off, right? Right, right. And, and finally, the doctor looks up and he says to me, okay, we'll try chemo and we'll see how that goes first. Is that okay with you? Mm-hmm. And, you know, of course, I knew right then and there to say, yes, it's okay with me because I figured something out pretty quick. And that was, I was in a real pickle. I didn't know a lot about cancer at that time. And I knew based on what he's saying to me, he doesn't think I'm going to make it. So he doesn't believe in me. I have to believe in me really quick. And so the game was on. I mean, like I just knew that nobody was going to raise my children, but me, that was it. And, um, you know, it was a lot of research, a lot of work. And, you know, till still today, I'm on maintenance chemotherapy treatments. Wow. Okay. And what's your kind of, what is your maintenance plan? Like you have to go in and get scanned. I go every 28 days for um, chemo. I have my, my port here and um, I go in for my IV treatments and they're very hard on my system. And because of that, I have rheumatoid arthritis, osteoporosis, sarcoidosis of the lung. I can go on a few more uh, ailments. And so, you know, the thing is everything hurts. I'm in pain every day and it gets worse as I remain alive, but I'm so grateful to be here. And I have absolutely nothing to complain about. My motto is, I'm the luckiest girl around. I just happen to have cancer. It's as simple as that. I mean, God graced me and I was able to raise my children. The greatest gift 
of my life. Best. best how, old are, how old are they now? My son is now 23 and my daughter will be uh, 20 in, in a couple of weeks. That's amazing. So yeah. what, why, okay. You know, you know, I see a lot of patients every day. So why, what got you through stage four metastatic cancer that didn't really happen for so many others that I have known close to me and then even professionally. So what, what do you think happened with you? And, and I know there's no formula, right? If there was. No, there is no yeah, formula. Right. I, yeah, I say I that know. up front. But a couple things actually stand out right away. You know, I didn't, now, not that I'm saying that this is not warranted and everybody has the right to do it. It was just what I, how I handled it. I immediately went into fight mode. There was not time to complain, worry, fret, cry. I had a life to save and I was planning on raising those kids. So I had to be my own advocate, my best advocate for myself. And I just hit the ground researching. And I knew one thing right then and there based on my research was that if I'm successful with chemo, if I'm successful with my double radical mastectomy, which is what they would do if I were successful and so on and so forth, those things weren't going to happen because I wouldn't maybe die of cancer. I would die of congestive heart failure because the cancer was in the left ventricle of my heart, my left lung, my neck, my esophagus, my whole chest cavity, my whole breast, 30 or more lymph nodes. I was riddled in cancer. The doctor had reason to say what he said. And, you know, they're in very difficult positions. And I, I, th I just think that it's a difficult thing to have to tell somebody. And I just knew that given all that bureaucracy and all of that, no, that the only way I was going to do it was my own way. So this is, you know, making the story quick. It took a while, but I yeah. did find a doctor to do a different type of radiation treatment on me that still today hasn't been done similarly. And what I did was the proton radiation instead of photon, which saved my heart, my lung. I only had about five to 10% damage, only some damage to my esophagus, you know, and, and ultimately in the end, it was my will to fight because I wouldn't have made it through the chemo or the mastectomy if it wasn't for that. And then I had these great doctors, you know, I mean, that doctor was a pediatric oncologist, mm -hmm. you know, intravenous um, radiologist and oncologist. And I mean, I was in the waiting room with all kids. I mean, he, yeah. you know, he decided that he was going to help me. And I mean, I'm grateful. I'm grateful. It was a university hospital versus a regular hospital, which, you know, doesn't fall to a lot of the, some of the paperwork can get left under the cracks a little easier than a regular institution, I think. And again, this was, you know, like 12 years ago. So yes, gracious. I was very, very fortunate, but you know, I'm, I still have, you know, suffer from a lot of issues. I just get my PET scans every six months, like clockwork, and I just keep up a good attitude. And I'm just so glad to be here. That's amazing. I want to make a difference. That's amazing. And I think just that resilience, right, of your spirit and your will sometimes drives the journey yeah. more so than anything else. And well, there are a lot of things I'm hearing in your story is like you had that fire or whatever we want to call it of like, I'm going to conquer this, right? 
Yeah. You know, for someone who is maybe walking into this journey as a first step or newly getting some news or dealing with a loved one, even, you know, what's your advice to them? Like, where do they begin as they start to process? I was on the phone just yesterday with a dear patient whose cancer has returned and it's stage four and metastatic. And, you know, I think I just put the phone down and it was like, you know, it took me a second. Yeah. Yeah. Young woman, you know, family, all this other stuff. And, you know, so what are the first, for me, the doctor, it is a lot about listening to the patient and then being a little stubborn and being like, I'm going to find answers, right? Any answer that I can find, I'm going to, I'm not an oncologist, but I'm going to try to figure out where to lead this person to, right? Right. Right. That's my response. But what do you say to the, to the patient or someone like yourself, who's newly stepping into this journey the odds are not great. The research is not great. The treatments are not great. Like, what do you, what do you say to them? Well, you know, everyone's different. And so, I mean, I teach a a course called there's more to cancer than just the diagnosis. And the reason I call it that is because there's, you know, I thought that cancer was going to be my worst news, but it was dealing with the insurance companies. It was dealing with the doctors. It was fighting for my life. It was being an advocate that really created more stressful issues for me than the cancer itself. So what I say to people and what I provide in my course is unique because there's not a lot around there. And it's to give you good information to take and have a starting place because everybody needs a starting place. They need to be grounded. First thing they need to do is get their person, one or two persons. You know, the problem is we get a lot of people that care about us and you get all this white noise that comes mm-hmm. comes in from the left. I have a friend. You should do this. I went through this. This worked for me. My aunt, so on and so on and so yeah. forth. I'm not saying that that information isn't all good, but it's very difficult to sift through it all and be the doctor, like you said. So what you want to do is get your best, you know, your mom, your husband, your best friend, your that person to sift through that white noise and be that person to support you that whole way so that when you don't want to talk to people or, or whatever, or if it gets too much, you have that person to run interference for. I think that that's really important. I think and that's then, great. Who is that person for you out of curiosity? My mom. Your mom. Ultimately, my mom. My husband and my mom were, were amazing partners. And I called ourselves uh, us the um, three musketeers whenever we would go for chemo and treatments. And, you know, you're un, you have to understand my mother's in her 80s and still driving me to chemo, which is two hours. Oh, wow. Up and back today. Oh, my goodness, goodness. Yeah. So she's an amazing woman and a great inspiration. And she wasn't going to let me down. And I wasn't going to let her down. I wasn't going to let my children down. And a lot of times that's kind of all you need. Like sometimes you're afraid. So it's scary to do it for yourself, but you're braver when you're doing it for a loved one, a child, Mm -hmm. a minor child. You know, these are things that, you know, worked for me, but everybody's different. And, you know, I, I think just finding your people and doing your research getting the right doctor. You know, I, I have an organization that I provide, love this name, Lunge for Healthcare. Isn't that great? Mm-hmm. And 
And the premise of Lunge for Healthcare is two things, teaching and encouraging women to follow their instincts when it comes to their own healthcare, tapping into that, understanding your own body is so important today, and then asking doctors to listen first, diagnose second. And it's my belief with those two things, those two changes or getting better. I mean, you know, there's still, there's a lot of women that can tap into all their health care and there's a lot of really wonderful oncologists out there. But the other 50%, if we can encourage to do better, we can create so much more preventative medicine and save monies with insurance companies. And then I'm thinking, you know, we can go to Congress and the insurance companies and fight and say, hey, look, We did this for you with these two things. We saved you millions of dollars. I'm not asking for more. I'm just asking to give me back what I had. Yeah. Give us back our mammograms at 35. Let's do our pap smears every year again. This is preventative medicine. This is going to save you millions of dollars in cutting and pill popping and so on and so forth. I mean, these are things that are so important. Women are second-class citizens in the medical field. And we just have to change that. And- one voice, one person like you, yourself. I mean, you're amazing. (laughs) I'm trying really hard, but definitely women like you inspire me for sure, because we realize some of the gaps and the flaws and how we treat women, what we're even looking for from a prevention standpoint, what those warning signs are, you know, so that women can really start to advocate for themselves, you know? And so I think that you know, so much of this is about building a team. I love that, you know, because it is overwhelming. And that is exactly what I hear. My mom said this, this person said that my neighbor went to this. There's a lot of name dropping, right? Well, I went to, you know, triple board certified, blah, 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 blah. At the end of the day, it's very much about marrying knowledge with you, the person, and how your body is going to respond to that. And dealing in the physical plane is incredibly important, right? That's where all the treatments are. But right. dealing in the, in the emotional and the energetic and the mental planes are equally important. And I think that's why some people sail through because they master that stuff. And whereas other people, you know, that part of their healing and their recovery is very often ignored. So I love that you're stressing this and spreading a message of hope for for many people, something which can be incredibly scary and frightful. So with your platform now, you know, we know your story and what you've been through. What are you hoping to accomplish with your platform? Well, the one, you know, of course, to um, ultimately to change the um, insurance for um, women in healthcare. Yeah. Um, get us, you know, better coverage, um, better opportunities. Why am I the only one that did proton yeah. you know, therapy? You know, I mean, I, I granted proton therapy is a pinpoint type of radiation, usually done for brain cancer or um, prostate cancer, small areas. I had a very large area. I want to be clear about that. That made proton uh, radiation very difficult and expensive for me. But I'm here today to say that it worked. And why did you choose that over the traditional chemotherapy and some of the other options that are out there? Well, I did the um, the traditional chemotherapy, but if I had done the photon radiation, which is the traditional radiation, it's a huge scatter radiation, mm-hmm. and it come it's a big blast, so it comes in the front and goes out through the back. And what would happen is my heart, lungs, and so forth that were filled with cancer that they had to radiate 
would have curbed my life quite a bit. I would have died of congestive heart failure in that particular scenario. Yeah. So um, even if the cancer didn't kill me quite as quickly, that would have. Right. So I was in a real pickle. You see, I had nowhere yeah. to turn. I was boxed in. So I needed to find a hole out of that box, a door, yeah. some kind of window, some kind of opening. And I would have gone to the end of the earth to find that. And a lot of this you did on your own, like digging. And yes. Wow. Wow. So with your platform, do you help folks navigate this journey a little bit? Like where to yes. go, what to do, who to yeah, follow? I mean, like I said, you know, everybody's different. Right. So, you know, I do coach. I listen to people and then I can offer them advice. You have to understand somebody like me, I've had it up to date, 23 surgeries. I have another one scheduled in a couple months. That'll be my 24th. Mm. I am somebody that has been through practically everything. Mm-hmm. You know, like I can say, oh, this happened to me because I've been in it 12 years and I'm metastatic. So I've hit rock bottom so many different times on so many levels that I have a lot of knowledge and a lot of experience that I can share with people. Even something as simple as like one of the things that I, I help people with is how do you tell your small children that your, their mom is sick? Mm -hmm. They're going to lose all their hair. They don't understand that, you know? So I talk about um, that in my course and I talk about that in coaching and things like that. Things that are simple that you wouldn't think of. How do you find the right doctor for you? You know, how do you say no to that God-like complex, that person that you've all met on occasion that says, you know, it's my way or the highway. I mean, how do you, when you're so fearful of dying, how do you withstand that kind of stress and pressure? That's why I say there's more to cancer than just the diagnosis. I mean, it's just, there's just so many things that can kill you. Yeah. And the stress, the stress is the number one because without the healthy body, you can't fight off the cancer. So the stress brings down your immune system and it creates real problems for you. And so if you're not like fighting with all you've got and you're, you know, it's just, it's a real difficult situation. And when you're a mom, you've got kids, I mean, God bless us all. I mean, we're all mom warriors. We would do anything for our children. So you're obviously a go-getter. How did, how did you keep the mental and the emotional component together? Because I can hear like the do-do and the go-go in you, but how do you, like not everybody's wired that way. So how do you no, keep- No, and I'm really not wired that way. Yeah. Um, I did it yeah. because yeah. I had to. And I compartmentalized everything. How I talk about it is I say it was like a tunnel vision for me. I didn't see right. I didn't see left. I mean, for like a two years, I was a different person than my friends knew me to be mm-hmm. because I was very robotic. I was uh, here. I said, yes. I said, no, I was listening, but I really saved the good energy that I might have for, you know, to be with my children a couple hours, you know, give them their bath time, their story time, those hugs, those kisses, those real connections that children need. And then I saved everything else for just me. And I went away. I mean, I know it sounds crazy, but I went away. And I fought like a sumo wrestler. It's like, that's how I picture it. Like some kind of Japanese warrior, like in my head, you know, just to fight the battle of all 
battles. Well, super proud of you. I thank you. I, you have more strength than so many of us. So you should be proud of that. And I hope your story is inspirational to somebody listening out there or even watching today and we can spread it to folks who might be feeling a little bit hopeless or having a sense of despair as they maybe navigate this journey or know somebody who has, you know, this is, this is becoming, unfortunately, a more common story. And that's why I'm so passionate about prevention and what that really needs to look like and what we really need to be, the questions we really need to be asking. And I do think there needs to be a change when it comes to women's health and how women take care of their bodies. And I think we all have to be a part of that conversation. For sure. And women shouldn't be second class citizens in this country when it comes to medicine. So, you know, we our ancestors have jumped a lot of hurdles, but there's still some more to go. And you're a testament to where really what the power of your will can do when you're navigating a journey like this. So thank you for sharing your story. Now, someone out there is listening, watching, and they're like, I need to connect with her. I'm in a moment right now. What's the best way for them to find you? Well, my website is just IamTheOne.com. I have a book out called I Am The One, and you can purchase that on my website, or you can just get it right off Amazon. I think it's actually on sale right now. And my email is IamTheOne.Viki at gmail.com. So you certainly can email me a personal note. I'm more than happy to talk to everybody. And of course, you know, I do coach and I speak going to be speaking on um, November 1st in Lebanon, Pennsylvania. So if you'd like to come out to the uh, Beth Israel Synagogue in Lebanon, Pennsylvania, I'll be there to speak and uh, would love to be hired by anybody else that needs a motivational speaker because I just want to help. Oh, I love it. Well, thank you so much for taking time out today to join us and to listen and really share your story of of your learnings through this journey. And for everybody else watching and listening to this episode of Superwoman Wellness, remember, if you know someone who might be on this path, this would be an incredible resource for them as they really navigate the uncertainty, the decision-making, the shame, the guilt, all the stuff that comes with this type of diagnosis and this type of journey. And yes, we are going to change medicine and we need all of you on that boat to do so. (laughs) All right. Remember you can rate and review and share this with your friends. We're on Apple iTunes and Spotify as well. And if you do send me a review to hello at drtaz.com, I'll send you a bottle of boost. You can check it out. I'll see you guys next time.